Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to a significant episode of Pine Glass Preachers. I'm Tom, a, a significant source of mirth on this podcast. With me are Gabe and Josh, a significant source of hot air. Why have I significantly overused the word significant? Because that's what we are talking about. Honestly, if you've been listening to this podcast, I pretty much lead us right into the topic in these intros. So today we are talking about significance. What is significance? Who is significant? Is Bill Gates significant? What about LeBron, Beyonce, Rosa Parks? That one teacher you had back in high school, are you significant? To whom and in what way? So many levels. We should probably just get into it. This should definitely be a significant conversation. I'm so meta. Was mirth one of the gifts that the wise men brought to baby Jesus? That's yes. literally yeah. all I could think about. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes, we had the same joke because we're terrible pastors. Gold, Frankenstein. And mirth. Gabe, we've Man. been in the business too long if our first joke that comes to our mind is about the three wise men and baby Jesus. Seriously, man. Well, the worst thing is like, you know, there's been... there's dad jokes and there's pastor jokes, and they're both terrible. And when you're a dad and a pastor, you it's are the just... Worst. That, was a pa that was a pastor dad joke. It was, yeah. It was, I, it was... I seem to recall, actually, before the second sermon at uh, Trinity Ludia, I just couldn't stop myself during the children's message, and I kept just unintentionally spewing bad dad pastor jokes. Well, my favorite part though, is then you apologized for it and no one knew what you were talking. I know, about. I know. You know what? I, I, I half expected and was really hoping that you would just stand up and save me, but you didn't, you just sat there and laughed. I didn't know what to, I, I didn't know yeah, what you to froze. do. They were that bad. They were so, so bad that they literally made you free. You were also a dad and a pastor. <laughs> that was also the same service where, I had everyone stand during the prelude <laughs> instead of the opening hymn. Uh, like, you know what? It was. It should be honored. So they it stood up. Revered. Everyone stood up for two minutes, and then I was like, "Oh, this is not the hymn." And so I stood back up and sat everyone down, and then ten seconds later, had them stand again for the hymn. I'm a bad pastor. Hey, is it is it prelude or prelude? Chad, thanks. Prelude. You can take them. Tom, I think we're recording a podcast. Yeah. So whatever's but going on with. You talking your to your wife about your <laughs> poodle, your fluffy, curly poodle dog. You're, I'm sorry. Did I, did I just spend the last three minutes talking about the intricacies of like the prelude versus the opening hymn that nobody on this podcast cares about? Not a single one. I'm sorry. Our 25,000 listeners would beg to differ, especially, <laughs> oh especially the ones in Bonaire. So, <laughs> you know, I, I knock it out of the park with an intro. We're starting off good, and then you immediately bring it into, like, church leader minutia. This is... All right. Fine. What are we drinking tonight, Tom? You start. I'm drinking nothing right now because right before we got into this podcast, I came back from a meeting with, with a wonderful donor where we were at one of our local uh, pubs, brew rooms, if you will, and uh, called Utepple's Brewery, and it was amazing. And so... I'm drinking nothing, drinking water. All right. Well, me, 
I did not come from that meeting. I came from a different <laughs> one, but uh, I am, uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm drinking a super local beer. Uh, it's called Tundra King Lager by Wolverine State Brewing Company based right here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Wolverines! Yeah, so Tundra King, it's got some really dope design on it. Um, and no one it's else an, can see that. You're holding it up to your screen as if our listeners can see virtually what you're holding up. I guess I was doing it for my friends, but okay. Uh, and it's it's a West Coast style IPL. I've never had an IPL. Yes, an Imperial, yes, an India Pale Lager. Yes. Yeah. So it's quite good. Finally. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a very high ABV, but anyways. Welcome yeah. to the hop wagon. Yeah, or the hot bandwagon, depending. I mean, considering your Michigan beer is now, or beer brewing company is now stealing the West Coast label, uh, which was actually a fad of say mm, seven, eight years ago in the beer industry. But who's counting? I don't care. Uh, we are the Midwest Coast and proud of it. So, what do you, what do you got there, hey, Jay Wood? You know, you know what the Midwest is? Hmm. Young, young and, and restless. restless. That's right. Oh, Kanye. Mm. Ironic because mm. the West Coast is young and reckless. But anyway. Well, that's like what he's doing. That's it like matter. it's a turn of phrase. It okay, go on, go on. Go on. Anyway, listen. Um, I was just recently, ironically, on the West Coast imbibing on a slew of West Coast IPAs from Green Flash, Stone, and a few other local breweries while visiting my parents and my new baby niece in San Diego. And San so Diego. I decided San Diego. <laughs> we, we saw a lot of seals. No whales, though. <laughs> and so I decided that when I came back, I would go local as well. And so I'm actually trying a new brewery tonight. It's called Monday Night Brewery from Atlanta, from the Hotlanta. And this is their Blind Pirate IPA. And it is really delicious. I think they said it had blood orange. Not tasting it, but I am tasting a lot of goodness. Oh, way to go. Atlanta's got it going on right now. They really do. You know who doesn't have it going on? Who's that? Crotchety old women on airplanes. <laughs> Sweet transition. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of my trip home from San Diego, so on the way out, we were able to – it's my wife and I. We have four children. There's six of us, okay? Perfect number for airplane rows because there's typically three seats per row. And so we would either get three in front, three in back, or six straight across, right? And on the way back home, our four-and-a-half-hour flight from San Diego to Atlanta before we connected to Chattanooga, we had an off number. We only had five in the row of six. And then I had a aisle seat or something directly in front of the row where all of my children and my lovely wife were. Hey, I'm a dad. Can I sit with my kids? They're both under the age of nine, so it would probably be a good idea for your sanity and also just for safety reasons for me. So we get on the plane, and there's this, there's this older woman who's sitting in the uh, window seat, and my wife politely leans over and says, hey, uh, would you mind switching with my husband? He has that aisle seat right in the row in front of you so that he can sit with our two children. And she looked at her and said, yeah, uh, no, I, I just don't want to do that. And then rage filled my wife's eyes and I could <laughs> hear her channeling, you know, uh, some kind of demon. And she looks and said, hey, you know, it'd really be great if for your sake, if you didn't have to sit next to my two kids. I'd really prefer if my husband was able to sit in the same row with them. And this is an ILC to be great. And she looks and goes, yeah, I'm, I'm just not willing to do that. And while she's saying this, like every single person in all the rows around her are thinking like, what is wrong with you, lady? Like, why won't you just switch seats with his dad so that he can sit next to his kids, right? And no joke, less than five minutes later, walking down the aisle is this woman's husband. And she has the gall. The, the mirth, gall. The mirth, perhaps. <laughs> 
to say to her husband, hey, hey, honey, when you get back there, why don't you see if someone wants to switch with you so we can sit together? So my question for you, gents, is this. Yeah. One, what happened to common airport and airplane etiquette? Mm-hmm. Two. You know, why can't we smoke on planes anymore? You know, why Go can't on. we smoke cigarettes <laughs> on planes anymore? This makes no sense to me either. However, so like we're all fathers. We we all have children. So it makes total sense to us, I think, where we would be in agreement that, hey, someone giving up their seat, a single person sitting alone, giving up their seat so that a father or mother can sit with their kids is a, is a good thing, a decent thing, and a very courteous thing to do, right? Yes. Yep. So, but what about from the flip side? Like, is there any merit to this woman's just complete lack of desire to accommodate a very simple request of moving up, uh, what is that, like 90 degrees and one row ahead? So, I want to answer your first question of whatever happened to airplane decency. Uh, it left as soon as we all decided that wearing our jammies onto the plane wasn't acceptable practice. That's when it left, right there. That's because be before, when you had to dress up a little bit, uh, you were on your best behavior. You were acting like you would in church at your place of business and things like that. And now it's like, excuse me, I need to get my flip-flopped uh, juicy sweatpants over here and sit my butt down. So so you're saying once once we started dressing uh, like we go to Walmart to go on an airplane <laughs> is really the downfall of, of airline uh, etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can directly trace that lineage right there. It's really, it's hard to argue with that logic. Um, here's the other thing, Josh, I agree. This woman real turd. I'm kind of surprised that she's still alive. Uh, not only from Jenny, not killing her or you, but a woman who does this, I mean, the gall to do that, you got to imagine she's done some other dumb things. And so it's just amazing <laughs> to me that she's still alive. Uh, you know, I, I, there was at one point in time in that entire episode where I, like, I seriously thought about and debated pushing that little attendant, you know, the flight attendant. Um, yeah. yeah. Or what do they call those now? Airline stewards or, or no. uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, I thought about pushing that button and being like, uh, Hey, can you help us out here? And just sicking a, like an airline Rottweiler onto this lady. Yes. yes. No one Here's what I would have done. I would have said, oh, okay, that, that's all right, ma'am. Well, uh, because I, it's two unattended young children here, um, here's a backpack, and inside here are three bags of Cheerios. They're going to need that as, we are, uh, as we're going up so that their ears won't, uh, won't pop because they don't really know how to like, clear that pressure. On the way down, you're going to need to give them some gum. I have that in this pocket over here. Um, now, here are their Kindles and iPads. Make sure to turn the, the, the volume down so that they don't blow out their eardrums. Mm -hmm. So-and-so over here is going to need some help with this. He usually goes to the bathroom twice during a flight. Um, I like to get him as soon as that seatbelt. Just go through the whole thing of what it takes to have a child and then say, yes. here you go, and then she'll move. Listen, dude, I was feeding them gummy worms and telling them they could drink whatever they wanted <laughs> from the drink cart. It was not limited to water and Sprite. I was like, you want a Dr. Pepper? You know what? You want a Coke with a double shot of rum? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, get that gin and tonic, Augie. Go, go for it, it bro. And ironically, speaking of which, and, and then we'll move on actually to our topic at hand. Uh, I was taking one of those young children to the restroom about 15 minutes before we landed, and the, the steward – what do you call it? You were right with flight attendant. Okay, I'm sorry. The flight attendant, a male and female flight attendant were back in the back, and I scooted around them to take our youngest to go potty, and I noticed a cocktail 
untouched on the airline cart. And I said, oh, that's a bummer. They made the wrong cocktail. Next thing I know, young flight attendant picks it up, takes a sip on it and sticks it up like above where the coffee brews back in like the uh, whatever you call it, where they, you know, where they make all this, the um, the galley. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Perks of the job right there. There it Oops. is. Oops. Oops. I was supposed to make a gin and tonic, but I made a rum and coke. Oh, no. This will go to waste that is, now. That is super illegal. Whatever, yeah. Tom. Whatever. I don't care. So anyway, there were so many you questions that I had. Plane. There were so many questions that I had for that woman, but I decided to let them go. However, here on Pine Class Preachers, we value questions that come our way. And I believe Ayo. we have one for this evening. We sure do. Uh, it came from our, our good friend, Daniel. I will uh, spare his last name for the, the sake of privacy. Um, but is he, is he British? <laughs> is he from Bonaire? We have one listener from Bonaire, and we would I'm, love to hear from this. Hey, I'm pretty sure Bonaire was once a colony of Britain, so he probably does say privacy. Let's, it could be this guy. Let's be honest. Who wasn't a colony of Britain? And where are you now? Your minister of loneliness, at any rate. <laughs> oh <my Okay>. <laughs> um, so Daniel says, have you ever heard of the Baha'i religion? I have a couple of friends who are, and I can't figure out how to approach a conversation about it because I can't wrap my, wrap my head around it. So have you ever heard of the Baha'i religion? I have a couple of friends who are, and I can't figure out how to approach a conversation about it because I can't wrap my head around it. So... Do you guys want me to break it down real quick? Do one of you want to break it down real quick? No, I would prefer that you break it down. Um, okay. No, Tom, you cannot be snarky about another person's faith. That's why. It doesn't oh, matter. Come on. This is why we you. have Gabe here to yeah. answer these kind of questions without Tom. Fine. Go ahead. Okay. So basically, Baha'i is, is a faith that uh, that emerged uh, from Iran and, and other parts of the Middle East. Uh, really 1863, so so middle to towards the end of the uh, 19th century. For the and good it, listener, we can see Gabe reading off the Wikipedia Wikipedia page from here. So keep going. How can you possibly? Uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, and, and no, so so it grew up, and uh, the, the founder of it was like, hey, another prophet's going to come up who's kind of in the same vein of, of Jesus or Muhammad, and wouldn't you know it? Uh, oh, shoot, now I'm getting snarky. But that that the gentleman who proposed that a prophet that was coming up in the same vein as Jesus or Muhammad, sure enough, he was that prophet. And so he starts kind of proclaiming himself as this prophet, uh, which didn't go over too well in the Middle East. And and so he ends up in prison, et cetera, et cetera. But what's what's kind of the teaching? Uh, and it's pretty similar to to uh, a lot of the monotheistic religions in that God's single, all powerful omnipotent, uh, um, omniscient, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the, I guess the difference would be this is that it's, it's a much more, it's like intentionally built as a more open understanding of, of religion. So it'd be like Buddha and Moses and Jesus and Muhammad. There are all these different prophets of the same God, um, throughout, uh, throughout history. And it's kind of this gradual, uh, unification of all nations, of all races, of all creeds, of all classes. And so so the idea is that like it sort of encompass it, its goal is kind of to encompass all religion as more or less being the same and different manifestations of recognizing the same God. So that's kind of Baha'i in a nutshell. Of course, there's a lot more nuance to it, but that's that's your basic basic understanding of it. Um, 
so to our friend Daniel, you say, all right, so what is it? So that's that's kind of your basic understanding. It's, it's pretty similar to, uh, you know, if you've heard the, the old elephant illustration that says like, all right, so six blind men uh, or six men with blindfolds on touch an elephant and one touches the trunk and one touches the tusks and one touches the leg and one touches the side and one touches the tail and whatever, whatever. And one touches an ear and someone says, okay, well, tell us about the elephant. And one says, ah, oh, well, clearly elephants, uh, you know, are, are very, I don't know, wiggly and uh, move around a lot. And that's the guy maybe touching the, the trunk. And some say, no, actually elephants are, are, have hair and a lot of hair on them. And that's the guy touching the tail. And they're like, no, it's very hard and smooth. And that's the guy touching the tusk, but they're all touching the same creature. And so that's more or less what Baha'i is saying. Um, so here's, here's the, the, uh, the, how perhaps, I don't know, I would approach that conversation is in one sense, like, yeah, that, that's, that's a really nice sentiment. Like, I, I think we'd all, you know, it's kind of John Lennon's imagine, right? Like imagine all the people and, and like living in harmony. But the reality is all religions don't teach the same thing. And so like they, they in fact teach opposing things. And so it's just really, it, it's, it's a convenient teaching in the modern West to embrace something like Baha'i, but it, it's sort of, uh, sort of incoherent to, to really, it, I mean, without being, I don't, I don't mean to be rude to anyone of that faith, but like the, the understanding of grace in the Christian faith just does not line up with the justice of Allah in, in, um, Islam. So it's just like, there's just things where there's there's incongruities. The understanding of how salvation works in the Christian faith doesn't line up with how salvation works in the Hindu faith. Like get a cleric in any of these other world religions in the same room with another cleric of any of these other world religions. And they're going to be like, yeah, we super don't believe the same thing. And so I guess that's my struggle. Uh, and maybe that's not a helpful way to approach it. But for me, it's at least a point to say, how do you, how, I guess maybe that would be my question to, if I had friends who were Baha'i, I don't, but if I did, I would just be like, how, how do you unify these things that really, if you look at them are vastly, vastly different? Well, I think well, like, it, like you said, you use this illustration of, you know, individuals touching a different part of an elephant, right? Mm -hmm. And yet for us, the distinguishing factor with Christianity is we don't play that game of saying we have to come to some like universal, uh, achieved all we have to do is look at the person of Christ and that and his work on the cross and you know re and resurrection subsequently is the unifying factor it's not this like you know achievement of coming together and sort of collating all of our experiences or you know the um, the understandings that we have but instead saying hey it's been revealed to us and so therefore all are able to come to this common knowledge due to it's the, the type of revelation that, that was presented. Right. I mean, that, that's always, I guess, been my thought too, right? Like if it's six blindfold guys, the argument would be that in Jesus, the blindfold has been taken off. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, I mean, honestly, like, I think it's a great question. And ultimately that's kind of the aim, not just of, of a particular apologetic toward or against the Baha'i faith, but really all faiths, um, you know, um, in, contrast to Christianity. And that is to say, hey, look, we've got this revelation that sort of supersedes um, all the other world's religions revelations uh, because it's in, you know, the person and work of basically God 
taking on flesh. And so that's really, as far as what, as far as I'm concerned, would be the tactic or approach that I would take, because it's kind of like, that's really the only choice we have. Because if you want to try to, you know, argue in another way that that person of a Baha'i faith or any other faith could just say like, well, you're just grabbing the tail. Right. You know what I mean? What, what understanding, comprehensive understanding do you really have? Right. And Why could they not say the same thing to what you just said? Because, I mean, your argument rests on believing in Christ. I mean, the fullness, so who, no, but, but that we would say that like, like Colossians says, the fullness of God rests in Christ. And so therefore it's not just the tail or the foot, but we would say we actually have the entire revelation of who God, the eternal God, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, you know, not just like part of a God or one path to God is, if that makes any sense. Right. But the, but the Muslim would say the same thing yeah, about, but the, their, about their faith. So here's kind of the distinction, though, is Muhammad never points to himself. He points to Allah. He points beyond himself. Buddha well, never so, points to himself. He points to uh, the teachings beyond himself and sort of these universal yeah, but Christ principles. Po Christ points to God the Father all the time. Yeah, but he, but he points, points to, to himself, himself primarily. Yeah. Well, if you've I, seen me, then you've seen the Father. I, Don't look I, anywhere else if you want to know who God eternal is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that from, from the Baha'i faith, like saying that, you know, they're saying that all things are kind of coming to the same point. But I'm just saying from our perspective, if I'm a Baha'i and I say, well, no, it's because our God revealed it. To, he's like, well, that's fine. But that's what the that's what the Muslim says. And that's what the, the Buddhist says. So who am I to believe? That isn't what they say. I guess that's my point is like Muhammad never says I'm God. Buddha never says I'm God. Jesus says, I'm God. Like, so, so that's the distinction is that we don't fundamentally Christianity is what, while of course we want to follow the teachings of Christ, it's that's secondary to being united to the person of Christ. So, so we actually like, so, so it, it, it's not like saying, ah, we, we trust Jesus revelation over Muhammad's revelation. It's no, we trust that Jesus is the revelation. And I think that that's actually the point of significance. And it's a good thing we're talking about this tonight because each of like, we have to look at the the individual significances of, of the tenets of faith in order to say, what are the differentiators? You know, what are the, the demarcators and the differences that exist? And so I think it's a really good lead into our topic tonight about significance, whether that is within the, the religious realm, you know, of, of the variety of faiths that exists on this planet, or even when it comes to like business and finance. And so I say we take a break and when we come back, we will dive deeper into the concept of significance and really where we find it, not only um, in the culture around us, but in our everyday lives. Deuces. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. We are talking about significance and uh, what it means to live a life of significance. And there's about a billion different ways we can think about this. And so we thought, you know, Josh and I, we talk a lot and we we think we know things, but Tom's a man who knows things. He knows he about really, living. What's that? He really knows things. He does <laughs> I know, know things. I know things about stuff. He knows things about stuff. And so Tom... Like, 
in your world or in your thoughts, like what 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 do you think, man? As we think about this idea of living a life of significance, uh, why don't why don't you start us off? Well, you know, I in the intro I kind of brought it up. It you know I asked is Bill Gates significant, and actually he's a really good figure to kind of start this conversation off because Bill Gates, uh, whether he invented the actual computer or not, he invented the 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 desktop computer, whatever he did, he was the one who brought the computer into our homes. He was the one who forever changed how we do business and honestly how how the world works now. Um, that that kind of started with Bill Gates and 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 through Microsoft and and his company, he became so for, so number one, what he did for the world, I would put him on par, dare I say, with Jesus as one of the most significant figures in history. Okay. Okay. Wow. Bold. Bold. I'm not saying he is Jesus. I'm just saying he's, you know, if you're going to have a conversation about top 10. In terms of his impact. Yes. Yeah. In terms of his impact on human history. I get what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, He then, because of that company, becomes the, I mean, he's been the richest person in the world for the last 30 years running. Okay. I think one time, maybe there was a Saudi prince who edged him out for about 10 minutes. Right. And so now he, he's significant for that reason. He is, the top of the list. He is literally the world's richest person. And then he decides, I'm going to give away all of that money. I'm going to try to eradicate malaria. I'm going to try to cure this disease. I'm going to try to make sure that every child has the greatest education in the world. Um, And he says, I'm going to do that by getting rid of 95% of my money. That makes him significant in the nonprofit world, in in humanity, again, only in a different way. Yeah. And so here's here's a man who has been significant in different ways because we think about significance. I think everybody thinks of significant in a different way, and I think it's kind of your bent in life. It it, it depends on that. Are are you big into sports? Then significance is being good at, you know, being Tom Brady, being Aaron Rodgers, being the top of the pile there, uh, winning a winning a Super Bowl. Teddy Bridgewater, (laughs) (laughs) maybe the third quarterback for the Jets. so you're saying that well in that way Tom you're saying significance is is basically equal to meaning. Yeah oh. and, and, and yeah yeah because it's it, it depends on what you you put meaning to. If if you believe that Rosa Parks is a significant person in history it's because you give meaning to you know racial equality and No I and, guess and I, like I, I meant more like finding meaning in like celebrity status or popularity or, or renown. Well, I, I think that is a facet of it. Okay. No, I think what Tom's saying, significance is found in impact, right? So, so per his Bill Gates illustration, Bill Gates is significant because he impacted the world through the implement through developing the personal computer. Um, sure. But him being the richest person in the world I don't think impacts anything until he decides to do something with it. Right. Well, in that sense, yes. But him being the richest person in the world impacts a lot of people because of how he got rich off of personal computers. I guess I was thinking like we we tend to, we, we tend to attribute significance to people who are able to identify like a, a deeply resonant and, widely shared meaning or sense of meaning. You know what I mean? Like, and isn't that what the computer and the internet has ultimately done? I mean, I know he didn't invent the internet, but like he gave access. (laughs) You know, he invented a lot of things like global warming. That is (laughs) not true. That is not true. 
<laughs> forget that the polar ice caps are melting all over the place. Lake Okaboji. Um, but no, no, you know what I'm saying though? Like in the sense that, I don't know. Well, like, I guess I, I, I kind of don't know what you're saying because, because I do, I think that people see significance in a variety of ways and it depends on your worldview. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your beliefs and morals and things like that, because we think Martin Luther is a significant person in, in history. We think he's significant to theology. And there are people in this world who don't know who he is, don't care who he is, and don't think he made that big of a significant difference. Okay. okay so let me ask you about the, the first people to land on the moon, right? That was a significant mm -hmm. event. And those are significant mm -hmm. people. Yes. Why? Why? So, Why? Haven't we made greater and better strides when it comes to the universe and space, space travel, um, and, and all that kind of stuff now? It's because they provide a sense of meaning that people saw the, the universe as greater than themselves and actually approachable and achievable in the sense of being able to like conquer it in some sort of way. Well, and then and then the funny thing I think about then too is that significant wanes a little bit as you go through history because we did bigger and better things or are they still significant because they were the first ones to do it i mean jackie robinson wasn't that great of a baseball player i mean in the realm of everybody else but he's significant because he was the first african-american to play in or in in major leagues or, or not to you know digress too far away from the spacing like we don't say nasa is significant like how many people would be like oh nasa that's an incredibly significant entity yeah, and so we so would, it's, but we attribute significance to the individuals who then benefited from NASA because they create because of their because of the fact that they are human beings just like us. They create a sense of meaning, not just impact. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't the guys who actually walked out of the spacecraft that that had the most impact, right? It was the sure. government agent, the government agency of NASA that had the most impact. Yeah, but so here's the thing, though. Like, I, I'm gonna be super meta, but let, let's think about this idea of significance, even in this very moment. Okay, the reason that the three of us are talking right now is due, uh, I mean, to a lot of people. But that let's friendship. No, I mean, no, even before that. Like, so, like, well, let's just like pull back. So, one, certainly Jesus. All three of us are Christians, and so one, he's there. Two, the fact that all three of us have personal computers. Bill Gates. I mean, although we all are on apples, so let's throw Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Okay. Um, you know, and then, and then you factor in though the the topics we discussed that that we we've talked about race. So let's throw Rosa Parks in there. You know, so like, I, I guess my point is like, we significance has to be based on impact. But then you have this macro level of impact, right? So we got the the Jesus, the Bill Gates, the Rosa Parks of the world. Um, but then you have, or even, sort of, or even on the negative side, you're Adolf Hitler. Yeah, you're you are Hitler. absolutely. I mean, yeah. he was significant in a negative way. And yeah, then, Donald, Donald Trump, as Donald much as Trump. I hate to say it, is significant in a horrific way. Right. Exactly. So, so that's like the right, right side of the room. Make so then, America great again. So then you bring it to a micro scale, though, too. That the other reason the three of us are in this room together is that. All three of us were raised in the, the, the Christian faith. We're raised to care about certain things a certain way because we each have a set of parents that influenced us that way to, to do that thing. And so they have significance for us on a micro level. And so to me, that's the thing is like there, there's this, this macro understanding of it where it's like these world changers doing things. 
But then for each one of us, there's these micro things. And I guess for me, one of the things I wonder is what about like the in-between? Um, like in one sense, all three of us know we're going to have a significant impact on our individual children. Um, mm -hmm. oh, those poor kids. Uh, for real. Uh, yeah. For better and for worse, we will have an impact. Yep. Um, but and and so like, OK, we can focus on that for a while. All three of us also know you know, we're not going to have a macro impact on the world. There's not going to be a book about Gabe Casper. I just know it. Okay. Uh, oh, that's so fatalistic, Gabe. What, so first time meeting you. me? That is so uh, not you, Gabe. The first time meeting me? I, okay. So I I choose to not believe that. So, so, then, so then the question becomes, if significance is equivalent to impact, what's the level of impact that one can reasonably hope for or or should one reasonably strive for. I see but th that's where I disagree because I think that sets up this false sense of purpose. You know what I mean? Because if if really we're looking to significance simply as determined by impact, then yeah, th we actually should all be pretty fatalistic and nihilistic because in the sense like very few a, an insanely small percentage of earth's population will then be significant. Yes. Yet at the same time, that's why I, I prefer to think of it in significance in terms of meaning, because then we're able to identify not just within, like, say, like you mentioned, the example of parenting and our children or our circle of friends or our direct impact of our, of our of our vocation or anything like that. Because if we're able to create meaning, not just for ourselves, but for those around us, then I actually think that's pretty significant. And then collectively, that's what creates impact or can create impact. Yeah, but here's the thing, Josh. We don't create meaning. We point to meaning. Like anyone who thinks they create meaning is lying to themselves. Uh, and like, so oh, give me an example. Help, help dial that down for me so that I understand what you're saying. Okay. And so, meaning, like, I, as far as I'm concerned, meaning has to exist outside yourself. Otherwise, all it is is just you saying, like, you know, this beer gives me meaning. Well, like, why? Because I said so. Well, who cares? That's just you saying that. Uh, but but meaning has to be something that that calls you into something deeper beyond your basic existence. It's got to be something that's that's beyond yourself. And so we as individuals, we don't give meaning to each other. We can't force that. We're only pointing to that which is meaningful, that, that which is beyond ourselves. And so it's really a matter of saying, like, who is moving people? Who is impacting people? people in such a way that they're moving them towards that which is truly meaningful, that which is something beyond themselves. Did that not help at all? No, I mean, I think it did in a certain sense, because like, as a, as you were talking, I was filling out my little chart, my mean, my chart of meaning okay. and ultimately in everything, whether it's my marriage or our friendship or my pastoral ministry, I mean, shoot, even roasting coffee. Right. Yeah. All of it points to ult ultimately like super broad scale. The fact that that meaning is determined, at least for me, and I think it's a safe bet to say for you and for Tom and for many who are listening to this podcast, meaning is 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 it determined by a pointing to God, the creator, God, the redeemer and God, the sustainer. Right. Mm -hmm. OK. Um, 
in, in a variety of levels, right? God made the little coffee trees that grow, and then I find meaning in roasting coffee because I see the process of a coffee bean roasting. Or marriage, right? We I, our, our marriage, our relationship finds meaning because we see it as an example of, of how Christ interacts with the church, capital yes, C. Exactly. Right? So on that sense, like I, I completely agree. But at the same time, like that just seems a little bit too – 10,000 foot, a little bit too idealistic in a sense of like, I don't well, know. It is, but yes, I guess, I, I guess yes, that's I, what I'm saying. That's why I think, imp- that's why I think significance has to be measured by impact, not by okay, creation so, of so, meaning. So let's look at Steve Jobs, right? No, no, no. Hold on. on. If Steve Jobs, if we're simply measuring his significance by impact, right? And I don't know if he's a believer or not. I, I don't, I don't no, think dude. that he, no, it's I don't pretty think amazing, that he actually. He was LCMS, and uh, oh, and then real? yeah, true story. And Did then not know that had issues with God and suffering, and we all do. Uh, and there's not a real good satisfactory answer for it. And uh, at any rate, and so uh, talked to his pastor when he was like 14 about it. Didn't like the answer. Was like, I'm done with this. And that was that. Okay, so then let me ask this question. Okay, we would say based on our conversation tonight, because Tom decided to bring him up. Um. We would say that he was a very significant individual, right? Who, because Bill the Gates? impact you're, yes. you're switching from Steve Jobs to Bill Gates. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Steve Jobs, right? Okay, a very significant. He, he had a very significant impact, like you said. We're all using MacBooks. Okay, yep. But isn't that meaningless? His his actual impact is meaningless in the sense that what is it actually doing? It, it, it's it's not actually accomplishing pointing to a greater and ultimately what we would confess as a as a true source of meaning. So okay, therefore, so, what kind of what, what meaningful impact is there? That's what I'm trying to say. I'm yeah, let time go. That's the that's the end of the conversation. We could just stop the the podcast right now because we of course we're going to jump to that that everything is meaningless except for Jesus Christ. Like that's what Gabe's saying. That's not what I'm saying. Then what are you but, saying? Because I'm saying exi- I'm saying existentially, we will always point all of our meaning to the triune God. Yes. Right. Right. As creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Okay. Right. But, but what I'm also saying is that on an interpersonal level, we can create meaning as a result of that, but that doesn't necessarily and explicitly point to that. Because if it doesn't, then I don't think that it has true meaning or mm. true significance. Because we could have the internet and lose all of our souls. Yeah. And so what impact was that? A terrible one. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it wasn't impact. That doesn't mean it wasn't significant. That see that that's that's my point, Josh. Significant is neutral. Significance is neither positive nor negative. That's why Hitler is significant. He's more significant than any of the three of us will be. And yet it he didn't create meaning, he destroyed meaning. He destroyed people. I suppose my I, I, okay. Here's here's where the tension and the the challenge for me personally lies. Then, is we tend to attribute positivity to significance. Now that's a now that's a more interesting question, Josh. Like, yeah, significance. I well, it's not really a question. I guess significance does not necessarily equate to positivity. So then, then maybe the question is like, what does it mean to live a life of positive significance? Sure. Because I would argue significance equals impact. What does it mean to live a life of positive significance? So I want to I want to break down that that comment of significant equals impact because I'd like to ask you what's your scale of impact? 
Well, like me personally or Gabe or who? Yeah. No, I'll ask you, Gabe, first. Like, what's what's you what's the meter you're you're measuring this against? Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I I guess I would say I think for ninety nine point nine percent of us, it probably has to be our family and a few close friends. Wait, that is, that is not the way I expect you to answer that. I mean, I guess I would say I, I think for most of us, a life of significance has to be measured on a micro scale, not a macro scale. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I don't understand your question. No, 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 you do. Just the way you answered it was, was a little weird because because to me, it's a sliding scale. If, okay. if, you, if you're going to measure significance on on global impact and yes right now i'm not having as much impact as bill gates is okay um but i might be having much more much more significance to my neighbor across the street who's been dealing with alcoholism and i've been walking with him the entire way and helping keeping him clean and 10 years from now, he's going to say, man, the only reason I glass preachers, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the exactly. one small, the small yep. kind gesture that, w- that we do for one person, you know, I mean, it, it, it's the silliest uh, classic starfish man walking right. down the beach yep. or a little girl. Sees, yep. Yeah. Little, little girls chucking starfishes into the sea. He's like, why are you even bothered? There's a million of them out here. And he's like, you'll never make a difference. And she's like, I made a difference to that one. Like, yeah, she's significant. She is the most significant person to that one starfish. Yep. You know? so, the, so it begs a question then: if, if according to Gabe's definition, significance is is a, I mean, and I'm going to exaggerate here, but global and widespread impact. Yeah, so that's not what I said though. That's way different. I said significance equals impact. Okay. Yeah, and so then, so then, it what, that be... what I tacked on then is that that is a sliding scale. If you're going to talk about global impact. Okay, not maybe making as much. If we're talking about impact with my family, making a huge impact. Yeah. Am I making an impact for for uh, for uh, food food insecurity in Minneapolis? In the middle, you know. So, th- so then, where are we supposed to land? I guess if we're talking about what does it mean, or what does significance mean for us as a community in a broader society in a you know, greater culture, perhaps in a global cultural society, you know, then what does it mean for us to examine this question of, you know, what does significance mean for us or, or how do we live a life of significance? Because on the one hand, what I'm hearing is, Hey, we can make these micro impacts and just kind of be content with that because that's all we'll ever amount to. Right. Or what happens when we juxtapose ourselves to those who have made global and broad impact, you know, do we then say, wow, like, man, I'm a terrible person because I wasn't able to achieve that kind of significance or, or uh, yeah. you know, uh, right. become significant in that way. I, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, but I, and again, it, it dovetails into what I said about a sliding scale, but like, I'm unlike my friend Gabe here, I have not given up hope that I might have significance on a larger scale than outside of my, outside of my home and outside of my immediate community. I would, I I would love to be, I would love for this podcast to go national and we have, we have millions of listeners and that we are impacting people. Like that's, I I, I still think that's a reasonable hope if we ever got off our butts and actually marketed this thing, (laughs) you know, Um, I I would, I would love to be, I would love to be a national 
I would love to be a national speaker for, for youth. And thanks to the LCMS for giving me that chance, sarcastically said. Um, you know, so like, like I, I still have those hopes and things, but I also know, I also know that I'm having an impact every single day in the way that I interact with my coworkers, with my family, of course, as we've said. Um, I also think that we got to keep in mind, like when you ask, like, what does it mean for us on a daily daily business? I think we also have to think about how we impact people negatively as well. Wait, can I ask you, though, and, and I mean this really innocently. Are you or is that just what you're choosing to believe about yourself? What? That, that you're. How do I say this? I think that the vast majority of people would say that according to Gabe and yours definition of, of significance equaling impact, that the vast majority of people would say that they are significant in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Is that true in and of itself? Or is it just something that we want to believe for the sake of providing meaning for ourselves? This is a weird day. I'm going to sound like the hopeful one here. Uh oh! So, I know. Whoa. I know. I know. Someone record this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are. Uh, no, I think it's absolutely true. I, I don't think it's a lie we tell ourselves. I think each person is absolutely significant, and and this is not like, listen, you got our good listeners know, you guys know, I can be as nihilistic as the as the best of them. Okay, but like because I believe there's a reason that each one of us is here because I believe there's a reason that we all exist. I believe that the various spheres that each one of us is in, that there's a reason for you to be there and that there's significance to the impact you have and that you have an obligation to bring, um, for lack of a better term, a positive impact in those places, a positive level of significance. And if you can increase that, awesome. If you can't, that's fine. Be humble and recognize that man, I guess I would argue God has given you these people in your life to impact in a significant way. And so um, if you guys will indulge me, uh, just a quick anecdote on that. Like that's where I was just thinking of like someone significant on perhaps a more micro scale, but maybe bigger than just their family. It was like, I was just thinking of my high school English teacher, like she, she died 15 years ago. Uh, that's too long ago, 10 years ago. And She's an amazing You're not woman. As old as Tom Gabe. So I'm not so I know. Been I know. That long ago. Uh, but she she's <sighs> an amazing woman who is this like safe haven for all of us like nerds and punks and geeks and dorks in high school, where we like she was kind to us and loving and encouraged us to be who we were and showed us the love of Jesus and like just this significant woman. And you know, and she died of cancer, but like her life, you know, there's to this day, you can go on her Facebook wall, and I bet yesterday some kid wrote on her wall like, hey, thank you for what you said to me 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It made all the difference. And so, you know, I, without... I, think, that, I think that's even more macro than, you know, if, if we're thinking about giving hope to every single one of our listeners, like we may not have even identified how we're significant either in, in our friends and family's lives or in at our work or anything like that. But I think we, we have to know that we do have impact in some way, shape or form. And hopefully it's not negative. 
Right. Which, right. so in general, if we work together to achieve positive impact, then we're essentially collectivizing significance. Let me work that through. Basically, a yes. bunch of micro, a bunch of micro impact equals yes. one cosmic impact. Yeah, yeah. So because because that's the thing is like, you know, think about like like MLK, where it's like, of course that dude's significant, but like, if no one marches with him, if the civil rights movement doesn't take off because of him, if people don't follow him, then that impact's not there. But collectively, people said, "Hey, I'm going to show up." Hey, I'm willing to get, you know, hit with a water hose with you. Hey, I'm willing to walk miles and miles and miles with you. Like that expanded his impact and their impact as well. Okay. So that's a positive side. Now, let me ask you this just because we're, it seems to me that we're kind of delving somewhat into the human psyche, right? Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that people like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, MLK, Rosa Parks, I mean, and, and numerous others, Gandhi, you know, were, uh, Cesar Chavez were all positive positively significant so for a second i confused cesar chavez with che Guevara, and i was like i don't know if we want to say his impact was positive no, Go on. Cesar chavez. Yeah. hey ironically i just read a book about a yemeni um american who got into the coffee importing trade did you know that there were a lot of yemeni americans or arab americans who uh organized with um cesar chavez and the farm workers in california oh, that's cool i know fun fact for the day podcast listeners um, anyway, so I guess my question is this then. So if, if we take the negative, uh, the significantly negative or negatively significant, however we're going to phrase that, and we've been tossing around Hitler because he's an obvious example, right? So you have a ton of individuals who got caught up in his significance, yes. who actually believed that they were making micro positive yes. significance or micro, <laughs> I mean, Yep. I hate the way we're saying this, but you know what I'm saying? Like yep. all these individuals who said, no, 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 this is actually positively significant. So therefore I'm going to yep. impact, you know, use my small micro level impact to work toward this change. And ultimately it was the wrong bet. Yep. So how do we go about determining yes. when it comes to, I think this really ties back to like uh, the, the opening question about the Baha'i faith, because it is a very collectively significant faith in my opinion. Yep. Um, and so how do we then say, well, how do we discern as individuals working on micro impact levels or micro significant levels into sort of who we cast our lot with so that yep. we don't end up being like, you know, the Volk of, of Germany, you know, pre-World War II, who just, who we would now say blindly marched behind Hitler, but I would like to believe at the time said, or I don't, I don't know if I'd like to believe it, but who unfortunately believed at the time that they were part of a positive and significant yep. change for the future. So, so yeah. I think it's a collective effort. I mean, you, your point about, about Nazi Germany is, is, is a great example, but let's take it to something really, really neutral and back to, back to like the Bill Gates days. At one point, there was two very significant companies, I'll use that word significant, who were coming up with this way to, to record what was on, on your TV, you know, and I believe it was beta and VCR. And like, who do you pick? Who do you pick? Both of these people are vying for a significant role, and then one wins out. How are we to say whether that was better or not? And then we all kind of collectively make that, make that choice. We all collectively realize at some point, yeah, Nazi Germany, you're wrong. You know, we're we are slowly collectively realizing, you know what, social injustice, we haven't done that real well, you know, right. 
Yeah, I, I mean, so Tom, I think it's kind of interesting. The neutral example you proposed with like the two, I guess, artifacts of technology, I would say, you yeah. know, VCR and beta. In one sense, when it's a more neutral artifact like that, I'm kind of like, I don't know, we just let the market decide. Um, but how many negative but, but, things but that, have, have arisen as a result of that neutral net? Neut I mean, I don't want to say net neutrality because I know it's a different topic, but like how, how many negatively significant things have arisen because of a, a neutral view of, oh, let's let the market decide because whoever can get to market first and make the money and all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But look at the market. You just use that concept, though, to let the market decide of let culture decide, let humanity decide. Like, so, human humanity decided, you know what, even though there is a collective of people in Germany who believe that this is the right way to go, the overwhelm in this, in this deal, overwhelmingly humanity decided you're in the wrong. Okay. But, but not at the when time. Comes, and, and they were, they were limited in access to information. I mean, think about now, right? So think about how many people were swept up in our most recent election. Who are now like coming to grips with the fact that, like, whoa, maybe we got caught up with something that we thought was incredibly significant and yet may not have actually parsed out to be what we thought it was. And not been as positively significant as they wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and right. this isn't a political conversation. It's simply about like people who believe that on the micro level they're making a positively significant impact. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, when it comes to the macro, sort of the way it plays out on a macro level, they realize, uh oh, I, w I was. I was wrong, and and we've heard you know the way that people use it. You're on the wrong side of history. Yeah. You know what I mean. Well, and so and that's the thing is like, and so they wanna... and so they are. So, so it kind of depends, uh, and I, perhaps I'm just jumping into to pastor land too quickly here. Maybe we want to take a while to get there, but I'm just gonna do it. Is like, you do look though at like like Bonhoeffer in the midst of Nazi Germany, right? And he is radically opposed to Hitler, radically opposed to Nazism. And, and, and why? Because he went to the person of Jesus Christ first. Like he let that be the governing authority over where he determined his significance, where his impact would be placed. And so he said, that's always going to be where I see positivity is in the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to aim towards that. So that even though the whole cultural tidal wave around him said, I'm doing this, he doesn't know whether or not Germany's going to win the war. He doesn't know whether, I mean, he got killed for it. But he said, that's the most significant thing I can do is connect myself to the person of Jesus Christ. And so part of me says, like, um, if, if we want to be sure that we don't end up attaching our significance to negative significance, and we got to be really choosy about the things we attach ourselves to, and they should be in line with the values of the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus Christ. But I think to Josh's point, even if you are being the choosiest of the choosy, you may still end up picking the wrong yes. thing. And that's right. where like, I'll say like Like 81% of evangelicals voting for Donald Trump. Yeah. And maybe that wasn't such a hot pick, you right. know? Right. and we've we've i mean at least i think we've all seen that this is this that it wasn't right there might be some people who still very much believe that i mean the republican party's been around for a really long time and they'll continue to think this way and the democrats will continue to think that way for a long long time and it it may take a hundred years 
for us to realize we need something different or one was actually right and one wasn't or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and you can do that, I guess. Uh, you can make the wrong choice, and yeah, then no, I don't know. Unfortunately, it tends to be the fact that it doesn't play out until you're deceased. You know what I mean, or yeah. or at least in the waning ages of, or waning years of of your life. Yeah, and that's why. Well, you talk about our faith, like the Jewish faith. Faith was the thing for the longest time, right? For that I group mean, of people, yes. No, for like that's where Jesus came out of, and then at some point we're like, okay, oh, we're saying, yeah, yeah. we we are diverging. It, it's something different. It could take millennia for right. for some of this stuff to like even itself out, but eventually humanity. I mean, with religion, I think everyone will always pick different paths, but yeah, or yeah, but eventually, I mean, eventually humanity is going to figure it out. Oh gosh, that Christianity thing was the right one. Whoops. So, yeah. So, and I guess, again, though, that maybe drives me back to what I said initially when you asked, whatever you asked me, Tom, in that I, I, think, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think like there is something to 99.9% .9 of us saying the majority of my significance is going to be on a very small scale. And anything else I do is a bit of a gamble, a bit of a gamble. Uh, well what do we, what do we tell people then? You know what I mean? Cause like, what do we tell people who come to us or to others and say, you know, I want to challenge that statistic that you just provided. I, I want to be the, the divergent statistic. And I want to be the one that even though 99% of us are content or actually should believe that we are going to have minor significance instead of macro, I'm going to be that one to to kind of make the difference. You know, typically I feel like, at least from my own cynical perspective, I tend to laugh that off and be like, yeah, right, bro, whatever. So do we encourage it? Do we discourage it? Do we say, yeah, get real with it? Do yeah. we say, no, embrace it and go for it, potentially setting them up for disappointments? I mean, how then do we deal with that if we define significance um, yeah. as impact and really look to the most significant players in history as making an, an impact on the macro level. Yeah. If someone has a, a macro sized dream or ambition, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Okay. I even think raising our children is a macro level ambition. Cause I mean, aren't, Aren't we raising our children to be the very best possible versions of themselves that they can be? We try to teach them. We 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 let's just forget the faith part, but that's a big part of it. We we are we are trying to raise them up in the faith. One, we are trying to raise them up to be uh, to be people of moral and values uh, to treat each other nicely. When we recognize certain strengths in our children, we try to encourage that. If we find out that our kid is really stinking good at math, we're going to put them in all the math programs and do all these things. Because maybe one day, like, I'm not going to kid myself that maybe my kid's not going to cure cancer, but maybe he might do something of other significance. You know, so we, yeah. we do have these hopes and dreams for our children at minimum that they have a better life than we have right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so that that's a big undertaking. Who knows what our kids are going to be? Our our next kid could be the next president of the United States, and he could be a Barack Obama, or it could be a Trump. Like, yeah. 
And that could mean something different to two different people. Uh, anyway, I know, I know, uh, right? Yeah, That's why yeah. I said it that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I just think, I don't know. Because part of me feels like we, we end up like doing that and we end up selling a sort of uh, American dream that is unable to be fulfilled. Um, and then it leads to this spiral of disappointment. And, well, and so that's where I guess now I'm back in my comfortable seat of saying yeah. like, <laughs> like keep your dreams small, my friends. Keep your dreams small. Um, you're probably not going to do much, and that's okay. <laughs> like, I, but but I mean that like, and so again, like, uh, and maybe a little teaser for hopefully I think our next episode is is uh, I've asked my my trainer at my my gym Sarah to be on, and and hopefully she'll join us and like she's awesome at her job and she helps people that are like out of shape like me be healthy and do things that I didn't think I was capable of doing and is like awesome at it and is impacting people in our community in a really positive way. And so it's like that in itself is fine. Like why be like, and you should own like 12 different gyms and revolutionize the fitness industry and da da da. Like why? No, but, but I, so I, it's interesting, but even when you say like oh, your dreams are going to be really small and like, you know, chill out, or you're not going to make a huge significant, significant impact in society. I think that's our own society telling us, unless you are this beautiful, you are, you know, unless you are this good, unless you are make this much money, unless you have this, you're not significant until you hit those things. Why isn't it a major significance? And this is going to Josh's collective piece why is it not a major significance of raising just raising a family of kids who then go on to have faith treat each other well have decent jobs and do good in society and then if we all are doing those things that that raises up i agree with that yeah i think that's awesome and that's and that ends I, up being macro i guess is your point it feeds into the macro it feeds into the macro yeah i agree with that sure but, but it's, it's us making those micro decisions every day. It's us making those micro moves every day saying like, I'm going to see this as my significant impact that I'm playing catch with my son. Well, I, I don't play catch because baseball's terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking a soccer ball with my son. Um, and he's coming. AK, What's you're that? making him stand in a goal and you're kicking it as hard as you possibly can. Hard can and, when, and when Titus doesn't stop it, you say, get up, son. Come you will have no impact in the world of football <laughs> if you don't stop these balls. Oh, boy. I feel like we need a break. Yeah, we probably should. Welcome back, everybody. We're coming back from break here, and uh, we want to know if if we've had a significant impact on you. Uh, we we're talking about this at our break, which is kind of the the essence of this question. Uh, we always have our big discussion, and then we go to our second break, and then we talk about some things for a short amount of time, and then we leave. And so, does anybody actually listen to this last five minutes? 
And so, if you do, then you should text us at 612-208-6258. A simple yes or no will do. If you listen to this last five to ten minutes of us just deliberating about the entire episode, then text us yes at 612-208-6258. If not, we still want to hear from you to know whether or not our significance has reached a point of impact or if we fail to even be meaningful at all at 612-208-6258. There it is. Do we have any more significant conversation to be had? in this conversation or are we going to wait for the next one? We're waiting for the next one. Okay. Cranking it up a level. There's no significance anymore. So friends, thanks for listening to us. Uh, give us your ratings on iTunes. Five stars, please. If it's less than that, go somewhere else. Um, and uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, so Facebook. We post <laughs> occasionally. And uh, thank you for listening to us. We appreciate you. You're significant to us. Bye. But only if you text us. <laughs>